0: That skill of having taught myself how to program at age 13 ended up being the skill that I then entered my IT career. I basically just hit the books.
1: Welcome to the Fi Show, where you get a behind-the-scenes look into financial independence. Here's your host, Cody and Justin. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Fi Show. Before I get started, got to check in with the co-host, Cody. What's going on?
2: Hey, what's up, man? I spent this past weekend at my girlfriend's school, aka my alma mater, UMass Amherst. They have this fun thing called Blarney Blowout. It's this big celebration for St. Patrick's Day, so I had a lot of fun. How about you, man?
1: This weekend, I kept it pretty calm, just working on the van. You know, got some cabinets going, got the ceiling done, working on the sidewalls, just trying to get that camper conversion done. It took it a little easy this weekend because I'm going to be out next week doing this half marathon length Spartan race out in California, as well as skiing Lake Tahoe. So just got to preserve the body a little bit. And before we introduce you to the guest, let's take a quick moment for the sponsor. Have you ever told yourself, this is the year that I'm going to save a
2: bunch of money and somehow that year is over and you have not saved even close to as much money as you'd wanted? What if this whole process could be automated? Our partner, Empower, that's E-M-P-O-W-E-R, has created an awesome mobile app that makes it super easy to automate your savings. Whether it's saving up for your next vacation, or saving up for your next rental property, or saving up for that concert next summer, this autosave feature can help you get there.
1: Just set your weekly savings target and let Empower do the rest of the work. That's right, Cody. And don't forget about the other awesome feature of Empower, where you can send simple text messages to Empower's human coaches and get personalized recommendations in return. So if you have a savings goal this year, you've got to check out the Empower app. Download Empower, that's E-M-P-O-W-E-R, in the App Store or Play Store. I did, and over 650,000 other people have too. And as a special bonus to our listeners, you can get $5 if you use the offer code FISHOW, as well as meet your savings goal. So visit Empower.me slash fi show for more details
2: and so on today's episode we have tyson koska from on trajectory and tyson has a super interesting journey where he goes to college for two majors that he ended up not even using in the long run he kind of defaults back to the skill that he taught himself when he was 13 years old programming he builds this platform on trajectory in 2015 there's a lot of awesome stuff in the middle there from him joining the military and being a helicopter pilot a bunch of really awesome stuff but let's not take all thunder away take it away tyson For me, personal finance has always
0: been super personal, and I've always been attracted to the independence part of financial independence. From a young age, I've always had side jobs. I had a snowball stand when I was 13 years old and sold snowballs all summer. And then that winter, my mom, who happened to be a waitress at a steakhouse in our town, got me a job as a dishwasher. So I was the only eighth grade dishwasher that I knew, staying up till one in the morning on the weekends for a couple of bucks just so I could have my, my own, you know, money. So I've basically it's been ingrained in me that I, I want to be the destiny of my spending. If I want to buy something, I want to be able to buy it, not not be dependent on somebody
1: else. So it sounds like your mom helped with that work ethic by at least finding you a job, but was there anything other than that, that you saw growing up in the household from them that made you think more about money? Did they practice any methods with you or teach you anything about personal finance beyond maybe work ethic?
0: Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was, um, my parents lived pretty much, I want to say paycheck to paycheck. My dad was a police officer. My mom was a waitress. They were both very young, uh, had a young, you know, had two two boys and we didn't have a lot of surplus and they they needed the money that they had, I mean, me looking back now, I would have said, mom, at least put a little bit away, you know, here and there. And, and, you know, they've gotten completely better over time. But really, it was about wanting things and looking at other kids whose parents would buy it for them and me not being able to have that in a lot of cases. Now, I don't want to make it sound like I was deprived or anything because I wasn't. I mean, I I got it at an Atari 2600 when I was 13. My parents really had to stretch for that. It was That was a big, big deal
2: in our household. But if I wanted a game for it, then I had to buy it. Love that. So continuing, you're 14 years old, you're a dishwasher. What does the rest of high school look like? You seem like someone who really didn't want to struggle with money at all. Going into thinking about your adult life, your first career, what you're going to do, were you just going for the money straight away? Or what was the game plan there?
0: Well, in high school, so I come from a place where I mentioned it a moment ago, a lot of the kids were going to whatever school's They wanted to go out of state, living, you know, on campus and kind of, you know, what the typical American, I guess, you know, situation looks like. My mom said, if you go locally and stay at home, I'll pay for half your college. And I was like, that is not what I want to do. So I ended up joining the Army and getting the GI Bill and working now, luckily, I had a great job in the in the, in the military. I was a helicopter pilot, so I wasn't really. I had I had a lot of fun, but in the end, I went to college pretty much as an adult. I was you know 23 years old by the time I started college, and had you know a lot of life experience behind me. So the game plan then initially was just find a way to go to college and 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 have the college experience that I wanted the i really ironic thing is that game plan of of getting that college experience i ended up missing home so much i was i you know i was in the military back in the early 90s during the first gulf war i ended up in saudi arabia and in iraq and and missing home i got so homesick when i finally got out of the military and i came back you know what i ended up doing Going to that same local college that my mom <laughs> wanted me to go to, living in the basement and working part-time jobs around where I lived. So I ended up doing the exact same thing, but that's what plans are all about. I went through a real shift in perspective. That was the time, you know, in the FI community, we always talk about the the two real components. You can either make a lot of money and reach FI quicker, or you can cut down on your expenses and reach five quicker. Of course, if you can do both, then you get there even faster. But those are two paths. The making money part, I had down early. It took me a while after the military and and in college to really get to the, hey, let's cut down on the expenses. Let's get out of debt. Let's live a simpler life. Let's be happier with less.
1: That came in my mid-20s when I was in college. So you go into the army straight out of high school, you know, kind of skipping college initially to go to that. What was that like being eighteen years old and kind of thrust into a career like that? That does send you so far away from home at an early age, and especially as that ties into finances.
0: It was on the personal side. It obviously was difficult. It was hard, but it 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 was so rewarding. It was it was a blast. It was you do things that you, you have to dig deep to accomplish. What I will say from a personal finance standpoint, this was the point in my life where I made the absolute worst financial decisions. I was making more than I ever did or ever had. I was making more in some cases than other adults that I knew. And I just took every credit card that was offered to me. I maxed them all out. I had so many, you know, like department store cards and just little, you know, cards and they were all maxed out and, and I really got into trouble. I I had a hard time paying my bills. And so, you know, that was the point, that was the low point of my personal finance. I started becoming less independent, you know, than I wanted to. And what brought me out of that habit, ironically, was not necessarily a conscious decision that I made, but the Gulf War started. I got sent to the desert in Iraq and I couldn't spend money on anything.
2: Okay, so you get back, you're 23 years old, you've just been serving the country for four years, seeing some probably super intense stuff, and you come back and then you are get, get to start hitting the books and you get to start picking a major. What did you choose and why? Yeah, that's
0: this is another situation where you're where looking back, you go, that was not a very logical choice. The choice that I made, I was an English major because I started feeling like as a helicopter pilot, you have to be very technical. You have to learn aerodynamics, you have to learn Aviation medicine, you have to obviously learn how to fly. I mean, it's it's an extremely technical position. I sort of went the other direction. I, I became an English major and I was about to graduate from college and I decided to add a second major, uh, philosophy. So I did a double major, English and philosophy, absolutely makes no sense. I got out of college and had literally no job prospects and ended up falling back on something that I had really been involved in as a, as a, a young teenager. I, had a, I, I bought my, myself a computer when I was 13. It was an old TRS-80, is a Radio Shack computer, and I taught myself to program. That skill of having taught myself how to program at age 13 ended up being the skill that I, that I then entered my IT career. I basically just hit the books. I learned some technical things and, and I ended up started teaching for a, a computer learning center.
1: So you've went, you were a pilot, you come back, you go to college, you get these degrees that turn out not to be that great as far as job prospects, but then you lean back on some old skills that you had and you start your real career. Can you walk us through like what the earnings look like there, what your financial situation was, maybe what year it was? Sure. So this is 1996
0: and IT was really hot. I worked beside guys who didn't even have college diplomas, who just taught themselves how to program, and you know they were making at the time, you know, really good money, making fifty or sixty thousand dollars a year, which back in nineteen ninety six was was a good was a good wage, especially with no college, just a high school diploma. When I first started in IT, the, the the way that I edged myself in, so I had I had an English degree and a philosophy degree, I had technical chops from knowing how to program. Actually, ironically, the the programming language that I learned back when I was 13 was Microsoft Basic, and Visual Basic at that time was a, was a really big programming language. So I sort of just boned up on things, and I, I literally just dropped resumes out to recruiters, and I got offered to teach at a computer learning center. Initially, it was not real technical. It was teaching Windows, teaching Excel, teaching Microsoft Word. As I was there, you could take free courses. So I took free courses, got the certification, and then literally two weeks later, I was teaching the courses. Yeah, It was uh, what they call Microsoft Certified Systems Engineer. So we're talking about a LAN administrator, network administrator, those sorts of things.
2: And how big of a pay bump was this from when you were serving in the military? Initially, not huge. So when I got
0: out of the military, I was probably making mid-30s. I got out in '92, so mid thirties was not bad. And went, and then obviously through college, I was working part time and as a as a waiter and a bartender and catering. So that was, you know, not not a lot. My first teaching job for the Computer Learning Center I remember was twenty five thousand. But every time I would learn a new course that I could teach for them, I instantly got a thousand dollar raise per year. So I ended up teaching like eight different courses for them. And so that, that took my salary just, just by that bonus from 25 to 32. But then also to keep me around, you know, thing, I was getting more valuable as time went by. So when I ended up leaving there, I was probably in the mid-30s. And then, as I said, this was the 90s when you would take a job and take another job six months later and you get a 20% raise. So I, you know we're not talking huge numbers, but I went from mid-30s to my first job in, in a proper IT company was mid-40s. Uh, But by the time I left that company, I was
1: making mid-hundreds. And anywhere along this traditional path, did you have any kind of entrepreneurial thoughts or did you do anything on the side besides just your traditional kind of nine-to-five job?
0: During those early years, I didn't. I had thoughts of it. You guys may or may not have had this experience. They itched to do something but never seized on the right idea of what's that thing that I can really – that's mine, that I want to sink my teeth into, and it seems like it has value. I did a lot of things on the side. I tried to write novels, and I tried to write screenplays, and I, try, you know, I dreamt about opening a philosophy school, and I, I mean, all these crazy things, but nothing, nothing during, those, th- during those years, not
2: until uh, I began on trajectory did I really have a, a real entrepreneurial momentum. So clearly, there's a lot of time between what we were just talking about, like when you got that first computer job in 96, and when you founded On Trajectory, which at that point, obviously, you are a super personal finance minded guy, you are really into when you're going to retire and your personal finances, you had mentioned you went from like 26 to mid 30s, and then eventually into the six figures. So what was happening in your personal finance life at that time?
0: So it's a little bit interesting in that, and it's true, the more you make, the more you spend. I mean, it's, it's just the way it is. Also, there wasn't this mature FI community that we have. I mean, wouldn't even have the internet initially. So we're talking a long time ago. <laughs> and so I explained that I always had this bug, this desire to, to know. I always wanted to know that I could be independent. You know, I, I always saved enough so that no matter what happened, downturn in the economy, or I just wanted to not work anymore, I, I would have plenty of cushion. But one mistake that I made, and this happens to people, is I married the wrong person. I married someone who just did not have the same values from a spending and saving perspective. and it was very difficult. did not save nearly what I should have saved during those years as a young married couple with no children and two incomes, right the the dual income, no kids kind of situation should I should and I was making six figures. I should have triple what saved. Than what I did, but that ended in divorce, so that fixed that problem
1: all by itself. so you talk about marrying somebody who had different financial goals and values, but you started off kind of your story talking about how that young 18 year old kid got started getting into all this credit card debt and spending money on just ridiculous things i 'm assuming to start maxing out all these cards. so what flipped that switch for you like what made you change your spending habits i'm trying to think of what the exact impetus was I, I think it was
0: probably be honest, this turning point just came into my head that I don't really think I've ever identified before. There was a guy in my unit when I was living in Germany. This is before the Gulf War, actually. This is when I had tons of debt and I was more or less struggling to pay it off. He and he and and I did not get along very well, but something that he wanted to do was to open up a McDonald's when he got out of the military. So he was staying in the military just long enough he said he needed $100,000, he could open his own McDonald's, and after that, it would be easy street for him. And I started thinking about that guy, and $100,000 at that time seemed just an unattainable sum of money. And I think that, I don't know if it was just knowing him or if it was just a maturity in my life, but I did shift from maximizing my expenses to maximizing my ability to pay off my expenses. I I shared with you earlier, though, the way that I was able to do it and, and in a really accelerated fashion was through the Gulf War. But even if that had not happened, I think I'd already had made that mental shift of I wanted something better. I had plenty of money, but I had all the debt. I had my independence. I had my freedom But then I wanted something bigger and better. And seeing maybe seeing what other people's dreams were made of
2: made my dreams a little bit bigger than what they were at the time. And even though, like you said, the quote unquote Fi community didn't really exist, definitely not in an online presence at least back then, what was your first foray or encounter with the Fi community saying like, wow, there's other people who are thinking just like me?
0: It was when it was actually when I was writing the prototype for on trajectory. The story of how that came to be has, you know, so now we're talking about early 2010s. So we're talking a long time. We're talking 20 years from, you know, where we were in the other story. First wife has come and gone. I've actually now remarried and a woman that she and I go together perfectly. We have two children. We see eye to eye when it comes to the sort of things that we want to spend our money on. We're more about life experience than we are about, you know, material things. So everything is working really well. We're living down in Baltimore. We have one car. We have a young child, a little girl named Mia, and one day my wife walks into the, my office and says, "Honey, I'm pregnant. We're going to have another baby." And there was just something in that moment where I went from knowing that we were we were totally fine in our little row home in the city with one car to realizing I'm going to have to buy another house. If I buy another house, I want to have a at least some kind of yard because I want my kids to be able to go outside and play in a in a tire swing. And if we're going to do that, I'm going to need a second car. It's just in that moment, I just realized I couldn't handle all the variables anymore. I didn't know. Do I put money in the 529 plan or do I put more in the 401k? And if I put it over here, should I put it over, you know, and it's just all these variables swimming in my head. So I started making this is very common in the FI community, these massive spreadsheets with, you know, all these complexities. And so I started looking for tools, my desire to find a tool that could handle what I wanted to do to put what if scenarios and all that. It led me to just researching what's out there. Of course, what's out there led me to forums and forums led me to, oh, you got to read this. you got to read that. And you know, from there, I was just hooked and, you know, it was all over. So, you know, I probably came to the community big in yeah, early early 2010s so it was it was still a fairly young situation at that point
1: so now we've started alluding to this thing called on trajectory and people listening can maybe start to see that it's got something to do with calculations because you're comparing it to an excel sheet but give us just a quick breakdown of what on trajectory is what it is trying to solve before we get too deep into your story
0: Sure. I mean, On Trajectory is a tool that lets you build a 30, 40, 50 year financial plan that is unique to you, your situation, and you can play with the numbers and and run different scenarios. If I buy a car versus a motorcycle, what is that what what does that literally do 30 years in the future? It really helps you get down into the into the weeds with with your long-term financial plan. That's that's basically what it is.
2: And so obviously at this point, you saw this gap in the market. There wasn't another tool out there or you wouldn't have gone out and built on trajectory. What were the exact problems that you were trying to solve by creating this tool? And then how has it evolved since then? We'll be right back after a quick word from one of our sponsors. Today's sponsor is one I use on a daily basis in my company, Gold City Ventures. That is the sound of a sale in your Shopify store. But did you know that Shopify now also powers in-person selling? Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store or small business. Accept payments, manage inventory, they have everything. Shopify brings together your in-person and online sales business into one source of truth. One dashboard, everything in one place. You know exactly what's going on. And now they have all these customization options. They have plug and play tools that you can integrate with Instagram or TikTok or wherever. You can take your payments by phone or by tablet. Shopify makes it easy. Plus, if you have any questions, their support team is there to help you. I know we have a lot of entrepreneurs in this audience and Shopify POS just breaks down that barrier to accepting payments with your business. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash fyshow, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash fyshow to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash fyshow. Now back to the show.
0: On Trajectory's main purpose is to tell me exactly when I can or I shouldn't say exactly when I can retire because as we know, retirement doesn't really mean any specific thing. Like a lot of other folks, I like to talk about financial independence versus, you know, what does retirement mean? But what on trajectory at its core, it lets me personally, Ty Koska, know exactly when I can make certain decisions. Can my wife take off a year for our first child or a second child or a third child? Or what any sort of things that I can imagine in my, in the future, my my financial future. But it just so happens that in order to answer that question, it can answer the same question for anyone else. And so that's the way I like to think of it: is no matter how small the audience gets to, that use on Trajectory, at least it'll, I'll be using it. And that's <laughs> you know, that's why I built it. It just so happens that you know I feel like a lot of other people can and should benefit from having a financial plan. So I make it available as reasonably as I you know possibly can.
1: And it seems like this tool is obviously meant for just individuals who are, you know want to put their own plan into it. But I guess I could also see people who are maybe wanting to get into financial coaching or they're working with other people could use this to supplement like, you know, so they don't have to sit down and crunch all these numbers for somebody. They can input someone else's numbers into it. Do you market towards those people as well?
0: When we first launched we were all about just solving that the problem you decided an individual person. But over time what's happened is people have asked us they've, they've literally come to us and said, "Hey, do you have I want to recommend this to my financial advisor so that we can work together. Do you have a way to collaborate?" And so about a year and a half ago we we launched what we call the Pro Portal. So if you are a money coach or a financial advisor, then you can manage a book of clients. Everyone gets the same tool, but you know, it's, it's made so that they can use it for a bunch of folks. What's really interesting in the end of last year in December, two really big things happened. actually three really big things happened. One, we added our first like sizable advisory firm. So there's a advisory firm in Pennsylvania. They have five professional financial advisors and they use us as their tool to service their clients in that same month in December of last year, I had a firefighter from the North Metro Fire District reach out to me. He's on the board that manages employee benefits, and they purchased On Trajectory for all 180 employees of the fire district. So all the firefighters and the paramedics and even the office workers, they get On Trajectory. And then we also have a a partnership with the Choose FI folks. They've got some courses they're putting together, and they're using On Trajectory as a learning platform to teach certain financial independence concepts like the 4% rule or you know certain you know the lessons of compound interest can demonstrate that so what i really think is interesting is this tool that i built just for myself is flexible enough that professional financial advisors can use it it is easy enough that firefighters in colorado can use it and, you know, it's applicable enough that it can be a you know used as a learning platform. Definitely not here to just talk about On Trajectory, but it is fun to to see that something can be that useful through such a wide array of people.
2: Well, the main reason that we have heard of you before, I've heard you on multiple podcasts is because of On Trajectory. So I definitely want to dig a bit more. So for people who have not tried it out, and we're definitely encouraging people to try it out. I know it's a 14 it day free trial, Ty. Yep, it's a 14 day trial. Yep. So for someone who has not seen it before, so some tools that come to mind, like on a personal capital, like the main screen, you're seeing your net worth and you're seeing all your accounts on like a mint, you're seeing all your transactions. What is like that main page of on trajectory look like? That main page is a
0: big, beautiful graph of where you are right now until when you die. (laughs) (laughs) So it's a little bit, it's a little bit morbid and it's, and, and it's usually an arc. It's usually like a projectile trajectory. Some people are different. I see lots of different people's trajectories. So the main interface is, is, is literally just that huge graph. And why, that, why it's like that is all the other tools that I used when I was trying to find a tool to use, they would make you fill out like 20 different pages of data and then show you a little graph at the end but i wanted to see a big i wanted to see dips and i wanted to see crests and i wanted to see i wanted to make sure it felt right because by you know we're 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 visual animals no one has ever said I'm not a visual person. you know everybody's a visual person. They all want to see see the result. And in financial planning, I wanted to see is that trend line does that make sense or is there a dip someplace where it shouldn't be? When you're just dealing with numbers and you're inputting numbers, it's really hard to see those discrepancies or or get a feel for your path uh, so that's why the, the chart is so huge. And then below it, you enter your income streams, your expense streams, and your account setup. So just like Mint or personal capital, you know, you'll set up your accounts, potentially set up a budget and your expenses. Things that you can't do, you know, in mint is project your income for the next 20 years or project taking off a year and, and hitchhiking across the United States, having the ability to really get nitty and gritty down on one's plans in the future. So it's 30, 40, 50 years ahead of you. Now, obviously, when you first start, the younger you are, the less you can trust the number. But what we do is we urge you to come in and update your progress, however often you want to do it. And then you you actually start to see two lines. You see an orange line, which is your trajectory. And then you see a green line, which is, am I achieving my trajectory? Am, Am I achieving the results that I set out to achieve? And guess what? Sometimes you wildly underestimate your ability. Sometimes you overestimate. Sometimes the market is up. Sometimes the market down. So what you what you generally see is a squiggly line over top a straighter line, and then you just make adjustments to that straighter line over time, and say, "Oh, well, I, I I can save a little bit more," or you find yourself making adjustments based on. The markets, you know, kind of getting out of whack. Again, one of the really good things is that it's meant to be a living, breathing model so
1: that you can iron out those differences. As the model updates and you see the trajectory and you see kind of your progress and how it's changing, is there also, as part of that trajectory, can you kind of dial through levels of confidence? I guess I should say. Can you say, you know, like you got a 50 50 shot at making this, you got a 75% chance of making this? Does it go into that kind of detail?
0: Yes, it goes into that kind of detail and a lot deeper. So if I'm sure you guys are familiar with Monte Carlo and historical analysis, there are a lot of ways to slice and dice those kind of projections. So yeah, you can do both Monte Carlo and historical projections. Monte Carlo is a way to look at your financial future based on randomness. That randomness can either occur from historical data or it can be based on volatilities. So let's say for example that historically since 1928 the stock market has made on average between nine and ten percent you know over that time but obviously it's been way above that per year it's been way below that per year however since 2000 the stock market has only gained about five percent per year which is a pretty big chunk of time and a lot of people believe that that is a more accurate measure of what the future is going to be like so in on trajectory depending on what you think or what you think is the right approach, if you want to use historical data, then you can randomize. Monte Carlo is pretty cool. The way, the way that it works is you say it's the year 2020. The next year is 2021. We'll randomly pick a year from the past. It draws out 1945. It'll plug in all the results from 1945. Then the next year, it'll go into the past and say for, for 2022, we're going to use 1980. And, you know, and it just, it just goes back and pulls these random and it creates a run and then it creates another run and then it creates another run. And what you end up doing is you, based on history and based on how you've set up your accounts, your, and your income and your spending, you get a result that shows your chance based on your situation of either running out of money or not running out of money. And so it's a percentage chance. Now, something that I will say, Justin said, you know, 50% I'll make it or 50% I won't. I would never advise that someone use a 50% number. Uh, (laughs) We we always say you should aim at 90% or better. And sometimes people are like 90%. That's really, why would I, you know, why would I be that conservative? Well, here's the thing at 90%, that means if you get just 10 people in a room and it's pretty easy to get 10 people in a room of all those people that had projections that were good, one of them was wrong, right? So that's what 90%, I mean, 10% of the people are going to, that thought they were going to have money are going to run out of money. And you don't want to be that one in 10 person. You know, that's actually pretty high chance. So we, we tell people you should shoot for, you know, like a 95% chance of success in their Monte Carlo. And now just really briefly, the difference between Monte Carlo and historical Monte Carlo randomizes results over time. Historical reproduces results in a linear fashion. So it'll say, okay, we're going to start in 1928. Next year's 1929. Next year's 1930. Next year's 1931. And then run that through. And then it'll, it'll increment it and say, okay, now we're going to start in 1929 and then run it forward. Now we're going to start in 1930 and run it forward. And so you see a different result
2: set than with Monte Carlo. So when it comes to actually setting up your on trajectory account, are these accounts automatically linked or are you typing in and inputting all these numbers for your own simulations just based on your own guesses or how does that work? Income and expenses
0: are always keyed in. I mean, we don't you know we can't pull your income from someplace or, you know, in theory, we might get there. We might get to the point where we can pull some expenses, but, you know, not every expense is going to be an online expense that can be pulled. So income and expenses. Yeah, they're definitely manually entered. So for accounts, at the at the moment, they're man- manually entered as well. So you put your starting balance in. We pre-fill with a, a basic growth rate. And of course, you can change what that growth rate is. And then every so often, you come in and you just input your balance. Now, if you're a Mint user or a personal capital user, or, or most actually most banks let you aggregate all your account information together. So you can either just drop that one number, that that rolled up number, and we'll we'll actually split it up among your accounts for you. Or if you want, you can go in and key it. However, we will be, by this spring, we will have an account aggregation feature, just like Mint, just like Personal Capital, where you can you know, put your uh, username and password in and a link will be made and we can pull it automatically. I will say that we're not going to keep that username and password. We're using a third-party vendor, which is what everybody does. Nobody uh, uh, holds that. And so we're using a company called Plaid that'll help us integrate your accounts into your trajectory.
1: And as users get set up in the system and they start inputting things and they start trying to think about more and more complex scenarios, do they have any kind of support they can lean on, whether it's like instructional videos, PDF walkthroughs?
0: Yes, definitely. We have a series of tutorials on YouTube, which are slightly out of date from a UI perspective, but they're getting updated. All the information is correct. It's just we changed the screen around a little bit. And we also have a current count 15 different guides. Now, you know for some people that's obviously way overkill they're not going to want to read even one guide but we also have people that are constantly requesting you know enhancements to the guides there's some people they want to know every calculation and exactly how we derive each number so yeah there's there's plenty of resources in that regard i will say that we also have what we call 24-hour support and what that means is you can open up a window you can type a question you hit send And we will get back to you, usually with a complete answer to your question within 24 hours. But if we can't get an answer right away, we'll at least respond to you and let you know when we're going to get back to you.
1: So this seems like a really cool product. And I think that's definitely something we wanted to highlight today was the actual product itself. But I'm curious from like a business perspective, what you've learned, how you've seen it grow, maybe things that you wish you would have known when you started.
0: It's interesting. I've definitely learned lessons, mostly in misset expectations. When I first started On Trajectory, because I personally wanted a tool like it so much, I was yearning for it. Obviously, I was yearning for it so much that I went ahead and built it. I thought once I built it, everyone else would say, oh, this is awesome. I've been waiting for this tool. I remember the the night that I launched the beta I went on to Reddit's uh, Financial Independence Retire Early Forum. I said, hey, guys, I just finished, you know, making this publicly available. I think everyone's going to love it. You know, it's free. Just come come use it. Uh, let me know what you think. There were a couple of people that were like, oh, yeah, this is really cool. Mostly it was like, oh, this is stupid. Why don't you just use a spreadsheet? Or, you know, why don't you have this feature? Why don't you have that feature? Oh, it feels cheap. I, then, you know, and I was like, oh, man, these <laughs> yeah. guys are Internet is rough. Uh, <laughs> Reddit
2: users are vicious.
0: <laughs> yeah, so that was, that was a hard lesson because, you know, and of course, here's the other thing. I mean, I wrote it, right? It, it, came, it came from what I wanted. I coded most. I mean, I, I do have partners, but I like the front end, I, I completely coded. So, of course, I knew every nuance. I knew exactly how it worked. I didn't have guides when I first released it. I just kind of threw it out there. It was a lot harder to use. And so, of course, I I should have known that it wasn't just going to catch on fire. Although I, you know, I did have hopes, but I will say that it has been a joy to have people over time ask for things. I work on things. I have this, I have a very strong building desire. I love to build things and sit back and look what I built and go, oh, I made that. You know, anytime I fix something in my house, I walk back to it and look at it like four or five times. I'm so proud of that. that I (laughs) fixed something so, you know, On Trajectory is, is kind of like that. I go back and I, I look at the features and go, oh, this is really cool. And then I get people writing in and saying that they like it or that they appreciate that they asked for something and I wrote it and then it's available to them. Now, as a result, you know, we were free for like two years, but we did eventually have to start charging for two reasons. One, because there's more overhead and, and we had to outsource a lot of things that we had to pay for. But secondly, I love it so much that I want planning retirements to be my retirement, you know, in a way, (laughs) um, so, and, and helping people get there. So with a young family and real world responsibilities and making some mistakes earlier in life with that first wife, you know, I had to stay in, in the workforce longer than I really wanted to, but I did take a year off last year. I didn't do any consulting in, in it. I just worked on on trajectory and I also taught software engineering Ironically, I taught software engineering at that same college that I didn't want to go to, that I ended up going to. And now they're like, it's like a lifelong relationship with me. I'm friends with so many of the faculty and the staff over there, and I teach there. And it's Towson University. It's a, it's a great place if anyone's looking for a Maryland school to go to.
2: Well, that is awesome, man. And Ty, I can tell that you are super involved with On Trajectory. You're lighting up as you're talking about it. So I can tell you have put your heart and soul into this tool. Super cool. I've been using it and testing it out and highly encourage people to at least check out the 14-day free trial. But for people who want to get in touch with you, they maybe want to send you a quick note and ask you a question or just say, what's up? Where's the best place for them to do that? So either write me directly,
0: ty at ontrajectory.com or questions at ontrajectory.com
1: would be the easiest ways. And Ty, one question we always ask our guests is what is one tangible tip you would give someone who's on this path to financial independence?
0: I always I always give the same, I'm, I won't be very creative, unfortunately. I always give the same answer to this question. And that answer is just do something. Just don't say, oh, I'm so far behind or I'm not going to get there. Just do it. When you just put a little bit away and you see what happens, that builds on itself. It's just like, it's the compound interest of psychology, you know, seeing that grow. But a close second to that would be at least make some sort of plan. When I first started making what would become later on trajectory, I found that making a long-term plan was super cathartic because I could stop worrying about how much am I saving? Because I could see right there on the screen... At this age, I'm likely to have this amount. At this next age, I'm likely to have this amount. And I could see it all the way to age 90, because that's just the number that that I plan to. And knowing, oh, this rate that I'm saving at right now is going to get me at this point at age 90 – I could stop going, oh, I don't need to concentrate on every penny. I don't need to worry about this. I can, I can give myself permission. I can give myself psychological freedom to spend on this or spend on that as long as I'm doing this, these minimum things that I've already set out to do. That experience, I feel, is very, very zen. It's a touchstone. It, it really lets you live a
2: mind that is more financially peaceful. Well, moving on to the last question, Ty, and this is definitely not Zen because this is the wild card question and Justin's not ready. I'm not ready. So you are definitely not ready, but we're going to do this thing. You ready? (laughs) I'm not ready. So we didn't really dig too deep into this, but when you went into the military, you said you racked up just an enormous amount of debt. You were maxing out credit cards left and right. What is the biggest regrettable purchase that you made? You look back and you're like, oh my God, I cannot believe I spent the money on that.
0: (laughs) Oh, I wish I had my photo album right now. I bought this gigantic wool coat, black and white interwoven threads. I looked like definitely a pimp from a 70s movie. And I just thought it was the coolest thing in the world. <laughs> Such a good answer.
2: Hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Oh, man. I'm really glad I asked that. And that was like the quickest answer to a wildcard question ever. <laughs>
1: Well, Ty, thank you so much for coming on the show, not only to give us your background, which was very interesting, but also to expose us to this tool that I know a lot of us have never heard of that could really help us gain some confidence in the decisions that we're trying to make for our future and for financial independence.
0: Thanks, guys. And please keep up the good work.
2: I love your show and you're doing a great service to the community. Man, Justin, this was a super cool episode. I've heard of Tyson before and I've heard of On Trajectory before. And I've actually mapped up my own five journey on it. And if you guys want to do the same, he does have a 14-day free trial if you want to just see what it's all about. What do you think about it, man?
1: Yeah, I thought this story was just really interesting because, you know, there is some ups and downs there. It's not just a clean cut, like, okay, understood finance, got a good degree, hit it from the get-go. You know, he's joined the Army straight out of high school, he finds himself, you know, looking for something else to do. He's taking these degrees in something that he ends up, you know, not really having like a big market for or using. And then kind of just reinvents himself, which I think is the cool part, right? Like he didn't say, well, I've got this English degree. I've got this philosophy degree. This is what I'm set to do. He realized that wasn't working for him and just quickly pivoted and starts teaching computer programming and realizes that he's got a much more profitable and enjoyable career field in front of him. And one thing that I found really interesting,
2: and I was honestly like taken back when he said that one of his biggest financial mistakes was marrying his first wife. And I feel like that's something that's really taboo to talk about. But I think it's so important, like having these money conversations early on with your partner to make sure they're on the same page or at least only a couple pages behind or a couple pages forward. It sounds like Tyson's first wife was on a completely different book. So the fact that they didn't talk about their spending habits, how they wanted their financial future to be, that led to some serious complications down the road and they ended up getting divorced. But Tyson now says he's happily married and his wife and him are the exact same pages. They're raising a family and doing it together.
1: Yeah, I'm sure part that played into that was that he himself, you know, was kind of in a different spot initially. Like he finds himself in credit card debt. He finds himself struggling with trying to keep up with those around him, that whole idea of keeping up with the Joneses. And then he changes how he is. And, you know, we didn't get to dig too much into it, but I have to imagine there's part of that where he changed. And after that change, you know, it didn't really align at that point. And it's so interesting how that could happen, right? You know, you could You could be going down a path that seems okay and then you find this subject matter and you start reorienting yourself around what you spend money on and then those around you don't necessarily reorient themselves just because you did. And so you can find yourself not only like, you know, in a situation where maybe you marry the wrong person, but you could even find yourself like in different friend groups after the fact. You know, it's not to say that you can't still keep those old friends and still do all those events. still go out to eat with your friends. It's not like you've just got to like shut those people off because they spend more money. You. It's not like that. But it is possible that your principles in life and the things that you are really interested in and that are important to you can change through this journey. And that may mean that the people around you also end up changing to some degree.
2: And I actually like how you just brought that up, Justin. It kind of reminded me that Tyson couldn't exactly pinpoint the exact location when his mindset switched and he was on this financial independence train. But he did talk about one of his buddies in the army who talked about opening up a McDonald's franchise and saving up $100,000. And to Tyson at the time, that was an insurmountable amount of money. Like Nobody could ever save up $100,000. And something it reminded me of was like the four-minute mile. A lot of people have heard this narrative where nobody ever ran a four minute mile. And then when the first person did it, there was like eight more people that did it that year. And once you kind of open up your mind to the realm of possibilities. So once Tyson realized that hundred thousand dollars is something that someone can achieve, it is something that someone can save up to. That's when his whole worldview started to expand a little bit.
1: And now it's time for the call to action. So the call to action this week, Cody is pretty straightforward. It's go out there and try this cool software product that he has created. And the cool thing about this product, which is called On Trajectory, is A, you don't need a credit card. to even sign up for this. So you can go out there and try it. It's no risk. But the other cool thing is you can inject these little life events into these simulations that you can't do with something like Mint or necessarily Personal Capital. So these very specific granular life events that a lot of times when we're looking at our plans make us nervous because we're like, well, what if this happens? What if that happens? Well, this will let you go wild with those ideas and punch in all those different things, all those different what-if scenarios, and see what the other end looks like. And
2: so if you do want to go try out On Trajectory, you want to try out that tool, we have a link in the show notes. You can also get to that sign up link at thefyshow.com slash on trajectory. And if you want to get a whole summary of the episode, you want to get links to everything we talked about, read more about Tyson's story, you can do so at thefyshow.com slash Tyson. And as always, if you want to check out
1: our Facebook group page, you can do so at thefyshow.com slash community. And we always appreciate those five-star reviews. They help us get great guests like we had today. And if you're interested in supporting The FI Show, you can do so by checking out some of our partners over at the resources page, which can be found at thefyshow.com slash resources. And thanks for listening.